This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, and today we're talking about what smart women need to know about money. And with me today, I have a very smart woman, financial planner Julie Chadwick, and we just think this topic's going to be a lot of fun to talk about. It is, and it's a, it's a great place um, to start out because I uh, also say I want to be complimenting Mary as a very smart woman that uh, <laughs> I'm excited to be working with because uh, we've got some exciting news that um, as a result of Mary being nominated, or actually not nominated, receiving the Forbes Top 250 Women and Wealth Advisors from Forbes Magazine, that's actually going to be coming out soon. So she was asked to be featured in the magazine. Yeah, I'm so excited about this. Like actually being in Forbes Magazine is like a pretty big dream of mine. And um what I think is really cool about it is that they reached out and they said, you know, um, across the nation, we're going to be featuring just a small handful of financial advisors. We'd like to know if you'd like to be part of that. And they regionalize it. So like all of the households in the Midwest that are subscriptions to Forbes magazine are going to see the edition that has the article with us in it. And then I think there's a different handful of advisors being featured on the West Coast and a different handful of advisors being featured on the East Coast. But um, I just got my advanced copy of it. I was going to say, did you get a sneak peek yet? <laughs> I did. And I'm, I've been dying laughing since I've seen it because Kanye West is on the cover of it. <laughs> <laughs> so you're so, featured with Kanye. <laughs> there you go. Like, what do Kanye West and Stirk Financial Services have in common? They're in the same <laughs> Forbes magazine. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, that's going to be hitting magazines soon. So people are going to want to start looking for that in your mailboxes. Yep, exactly. So pretty exciting and quite an honor to be featured there. I'm, I'm very pleased with that. Right. So, so Mary's one of the smart women that uh, we're <laughs> proud to have with us. So. so for all you smart women listening, let's talk a little bit about what you need to know about money. So the thing about money for women is that traditionally money hasn't been something that women have always been in charge of or been paying attention to. Right, because women in the past were usually the caretakers and living at home and raising the children. So Right. And so when you think about money, and it's going to be a little bit depending on your generation, but what I do firmly believe is that smart women do need to pay attention to their money. Right. Even if they're not the one in charge of it, they need to be in the know. They need to know what they have. They need to understand the investment accounts that their family has, even if their spouse or somebody else is actually the one being the primary person taking care of it. But you need to know what's there. Right. There's too many times when we see women coming in the office and they're with their husband or, you know, family members or whatever, and they say, I have no idea. He takes care of everything. Right. Well, you know, some people, my mother, I can tell you, is the exact same way. Mm -hmm. She says, I don't want to handle it. Your dad takes care of it. And now I have you to take care of it, Julie. But, <laughs> there you go. And I just tell her, I said, but you need to understand how things work. Right. So. Exactly. So you don't have to handle it. You just need to be in the know. Right. Another thing that I think is really, really important for women to understand is I firmly believe there needs to be a little bit of money that's just yours, um, especially if you're a younger woman. So now I'm talking to the generation of women who are maybe in their 20s or 30s. Um, I highly recommend that you all have a little bit of money set aside 
and I call it your getaway fund. (laughs) (laughs) And I call it that because if you need to get away from a dangerous situation, if you need to get away from an abusive situation, you need some money to do that. And um, it is it is so important, even if it's just a couple hundred dollars that you can buy a bus ticket to somewhere safe. But that getaway fund can be the difference between life and death for a lot of women. So smart women have a little bit of money squirreled away that's their own. And that is a really important thing for people to right. keep doing. Hopefully mm-hmm. they never have to use it. And that's right. awesome if you don't. But if you do, you want to make sure that that opportunity is available. Exactly. Now, when it comes to managing money with women, women tend to be more collaborative. Women tend to want to have that relationship. And, and quite honestly, a lot of times women like to have that relationship with other women. Right. They like working with professional women. Um, and, and that's been kind of fun for us as we've built our firm over the last 15 years because for many, many years, we were an all-female firm. Mm-hmm. And now three out of our four financial planners are women. So I think we're uniquely suited to work with women and their money. Right. And the collaborating part is key because women love to share their great ideas. Yep. It's like when you have a great outfit, you say, hey, where you got it? If it was on <laughs> sale, you got to go get it. They share everything. They love you know, to be able to share um, awesome opportunities that they've had. So right, and and great women also promote other great women. Mm-hmm. So you know we have a network of people that we work with. We're frequently referring out to great female attorneys or great female CPAs if that's the right fit for the client. Nothing against men. We certainly refer out to them too. But sometimes women just like to work with women. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to actually managing your money. Women like to find a relationship where they can be educated about their investments, but they also can trust that somebody is helping take care of them for them. They don't necessarily want it to always be top of mind. They want to know they have a partner that's helping manage things for them. And women tend to focus more on making sure that things are more secure than on aggressive growth. Right. So it's important just to be able to understand the strategies and advice and understand how things work. And then they're more, you know, confident on letting someone handle that. So like a financial planner, but they need to understand the mechanics of how everything works. Exactly. Exactly. That trust piece is just so important. Right. So one of the one of the challenges that women face when it comes to saving for retirement is that saving for retirement is going to come out of wages. And and no matter how you slice and dice it, there's still a gender gap in terms of income and wages. Mm -hmm. So that means that from a retirement perspective, if you've made a little bit less money than your male counterparts have, it means you've probably saved a little bit less money for retirement. Your Social Security benefits might be a little bit less than your male counterparts. And your overall retirement 401k balances and things like that kind of tend to be a little bit smaller. And then the fact that women are actually live longer than men. <laughs> so <laughs> so yeah. you, you got to so make double it last longer. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to make a smaller pool of money last longer. <laughs> we always get stuck with the hard stuff. <laughs> yeah. So those are just some unique challenges that women face. And that needs to be wound into your planning. We're starting to see some trends happening where women are coming out of a divorce. Now they're in charge of their investments and things like that. And now they're going into either second marriages or next relationships where they're saying, nope, 
I'm going to keep my money separate. This is my money. This is your money. And, and there might be some level of there's an hour money piece of it too, but they're tending to keep their investment separate. And we're even seeing a trend where women have their own advisor and their husbands have their own advisor because they really are keeping things separate. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not here to say that that's good or bad. I'm just saying that that's a trend. And, and that speaks to the fact that it's good that women are paying more attention to the finances. Right. Instead of just kind of sitting back and hoping someone else is taking care of it. So they're taking charge. Right. But to address this challenge of the income gap um, causing these deficiencies and these, you know, lower balances in things, it really is important for women to save as much as you can and start as early as you can. Early is probably the biggest key because when you start socking away money earlier and earlier, that compounding growth and interest is just, it maximizes your plans, any kind of saving that you do. Right. So just to kind of give you an idea about how early savings makes a difference, let's just say that you put $2,000 invested annually into something and it was making a 6% rate of return. So just some basic math here. By the time you're 65, just that $2,000 could be worth 451000 if you started at age 20. But if you did the exact same thing but waited until you're 40, it's only worth 116000 so that 20-year difference makes such a such a huge difference in the actual investment amount, 116000 versus 451 And if you wait until you're 50 to start, that same savings pattern really only nets you about 49000 Right. So the earlier, the better. Now, don't despair. If you haven't started early, start. It's better late <laughs> than never, right? Exactly. But the earlier, the better. So for those of you out there who are mothers or who are grandmothers, that are listening, this is a really important lesson to focus on with your own daughters is to start saving and start saving early. I think that's tremendously important. Now, when it comes to retirement income and your planning as women, Julie kind of hit the nail on the head earlier when she said we tend to live longer. So when you're planning with your clients, Julie, what is the age that you're typically planning to to try to make sure that women don't run out of money? We're typically in our planning, we're looking at age 95. That's the typical life expectancy mm-hmm. table that's out there. Now, a lot of times we have people saying, oh, you know, I don't, I have family, you know, that doesn't live past 85 or I have family that's 105. So that's really the gauge that we use. But those are factors that we'll consider in too. But each year, everyone's living longer and longer with right. medical advancements. Yep. So if you look at just like straight tables for mortality, they are saying that men on average tend to live to kind of their early 80s and women tend to live to their mid to late 80s. But planning until age 95 is very critical because between now and then, there's likely to be a lot of medical advances that help people live longer. And also, if you are one of those people who lives beyond just with the insurance mortality tables say, we sure don't want you to run out of money. No, we don't want to say, hey, we're killing you off at 85. That's all you got. Yeah, you need to tip out of your canoe at this date or you are in trouble. (laughs) That's not good planning. So we always want to, you know, err on the side of caution and make sure that that plan is designed to live for the life expectancy. Women tend to like investments that can give them lifetime incomes. And because of that, there's different investment vehicles out there that might be more appropriate for that than other ones. Um, And so inside of financial planning, when we're looking at planning for women, we can definitely speak to looking at things that are going to give you that boost of confidence that you don't have to worry as much about market risk and things like that. Right. 
One of the things that happens, though, is we can see that women a lot of times are too conservative with everything. Mm -hmm. So we got to have that good balance and figuring out the right blend for all their assets. Right. We want to have some money that has some more innovation goals built around it. And we want to have some money that does try to help grow because that's the right balance when it comes to long-term investments for women. Right. And that's key in our bucket planning that we do for people when you come in and see us. It's an awesome feature that we add as one of our services that will provide you with the understanding of how you should segment out that money. That's exactly right. Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, and we're talking about what smart women need to know about money. So we've talked a little bit about um, making sure that you're setting yourself up to be aware of your investments and a little bit about how retirement planning is different for women versus men. But now I really want to dig into some things connected to what women need to be thinking about when it comes to health care and retirement. Right. That's usually one of the biggest concerns that people have is I want to be able to retire and have that health insurance coverage, but I want to make sure that my plan plans for that so I'm not going to be worried about it because the insurance expenses are changing constantly. Right. I mean, no matter what age that you retire, your health is going and your health care is really going to be a priority. But how much you spend on health care during your retirement really is going to depend on a number of different things, including what age you retire what income streams that you have, how much investments you have, but also really does key into how long you live. So here's another piece of it where that women tending to live longer than men creates a little bit of a differential in terms of how they actually have to plan for their health care during retirement. Now, there's a couple of different things that I want to talk about when it comes to this. One of them is just the whole Medicare conversation. So when you're 65, that's when you would first become eligible for Medicare. And Medicare is a complex system. It definitely is. There's so many moving parts to it. It, it definitely has a lot of moving parts. So for most people, they're going to start on Medicare Part A, which is basically the hospital part of it. And there's no charge for that. And then if you're not going to be working anymore and on a group health care plan, then you'd be moving into the Medicare Part B. And Medicare Part B really is mostly the doctor network of things. And the cost for that typically is about around $140 a month. Right. It's going to kind of average a little bit, but that's about the average. Mm -hmm. Now, in order to cover all of the things that Medicare doesn't, most people buy a Medigap policy, or they're also called Medicare supplements. And that generally runs about $140 a month. Right. <laughs> kind of in the same neighborhood of cost. So you see how it's adding up there, just that the standard health care cost yeah. right there. So just for the basics, when you're in retirement, ladies, you really are going to be thinking about a minimum of somewhere around $280 a month to cover your basic health care costs. And the thing is, if you've actually done well for yourself and if your income's higher, you are going to pay more than that. Yep, that's one of the catches that a lot of people don't understand is that it's based on your income. Yes. So that Medicare Part B is going to have an increase if you have a high income. So just keep that in mind. And if you want to know those numbers, just reach out and we can re you know review those with you. There's also a Part D, which is the drug coverage. And the drug coverage cost is going to be, geez, that can be anywhere from like $5 a month to $500 a month. It's totally dependent on the drugs that you're actually taking and the cost of those. Right. And that's something that you can look into every year. There's an open open enrollment every single year so you can look at it. Because a lot of times the, the tiers of the drugs will change. So that's mm -hmm. going to affect the cost. And also the you know the prescriptions you're taking are going to change. Right. So that's something you got to look at every year once you start doing that. 
So one of the things that that I think that is important then for women to just understand is like that's the basics. You need to have Medicare, probably a Medicare supplement, and then make sure that your drug plan is in place. That's not any different for women than it is for men. That's mm-hmm. just standard kind of across the board. But because women tend to live longer than men, then women actually have a higher ratio of usage when it comes to needing some type of long-term care services. So whether it's a nursing home or home health care or needing assisted living. But long-term care really is something that women have to pay attention to because they live longer than men. It's it's more of an issue for them. And the policies actually are going to reflect that. The premiums are going to yep. reflect that. It used to be, I don't know if it was five maybe five years ago or something, they actually changed it where the rates were the same for men and women. And then they realized, hey, women are living longer (laughs) and they're using it longer. So the premiums (laughs) actually are higher for women. Yep. Yep. That's an unfortunate thing, but it's it's a truth of thing. Now, there's multiple ways that you can solve for this issue. So there's different long-term care insurances out there. They used to be called nursing home insurance, but now they're more referred to as long-term care insurance because most people would prefer not to go to the nursing home. They'd rather have home health or assisted living before they have to go to the nursing home. Right. And those are plans that are actually options now, like kind of standalone plans where before home health care wasn't an option. Mm-hmm. But now the nursing homes and everything else, the healthcare system is realizing it's more cost efficient to keep people at home. Absolutely. So Julie is one of the specialists in our team when it comes to long-term care planning. And there's really three types of insurance that you can get when it comes to long-term care planning. So what are the basic three types, Julie? Well, the first one is your traditional, your health health insurance base. That's your traditional nursing home insurances that that most people are probably familiar with. And I think what people hate about that one is that the prices tend to go up not once, not twice, but seems like a lot of times. And they go up by a lot of money. Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. not if that premium's going to go up, it's going to be when and how much. So that's a given. And then it's also a use it or lose it. So you can pay into that premium all those years. And if you don't use it, well, that's great, but you're not going to get anything back. So (laughs) it's not like we want to race out and and have to use it. But the next one is your life insurance base. So these are called hybrid policies. These are kind of up and coming. And some people might actually have life insurance policies that already have these benefits in there. And as what that simply means is you have a life insurance policy. And with a life insurance policy, the benefits are going to get used either when you're alive, if you need it for nursing home insurance, or for mm-hmm. like a nursing home, or if you don't need them when in the nursing home, then they're going to get paid out to your beneficiaries at death. So what's nice about that, it's not a use it or lose it. Somebody's getting a benefit, whether it's you when you're alive or your family when you die. Exactly. So that does kind of answer that issue. Now, do those hybrid policies tend to go up in cost? Now, they usually start out a little bit higher than the traditional, mm-hmm. but the premiums are going to be set. So that's kind of nice with that yeah, aspect. Yeah, so you kind of know. And, and women like to kind of know what's going to happen. They like to be able to plan more. It gives them a higher feeling of security to know that. So women do tend to gravitate more towards the hybrid piece of things. Right. And the new kind of the the most recent one up and coming and is becoming more and more common because it's a a plan that is also the same thing. You're going to be able to use it, but it's using your own assets. It's called asset-based care. And it's what that's doing is it's taking a lump sum of your own assets and kind of setting them aside in a policy that you can 
access for home health or nursing home or whatever that comes up. But the beauty is, is that if you don't use it again, you still have those assets to either, you know, use for you or, you know, pass on as legacy. So, And the asset-based care is an option for people also who might have some health concerns that they won't qualify for the traditional or the hybrid. Right, because the life insurance and the health insurance base, you do have to have a lot of underwriting and, mm-hmm. and health is a, a consideration. So if you don't have that, that might be another option. And the asset-based care just has very limited underwriting. There's a few things that could disqualify for you, you know, you for it, but it's not as stringent um, by a long shot. Right, because it's your own are. money, really. It's your yeah. own money. The the that one of the downsides is that you're really kind of tying up a, maybe a big pool of your money, mm-hmm. you know, for maybe if you wanted to use it for something else. So right, so that's that has to go into the decision of does this type exactly. make sense or does this other yep. type make sense? Yeah. So there's a lot of different factors, you know, determining on what type you should get, and that's where we're really good at helping people. Now, the final thing I want to talk about when it comes to women and what smart women are going to need to know about money is connected to Social Security. So a lot of times, and this is we're just talking about the national averages here, a lot of times the women's benefits are smaller than their spouses mm-hmm. are. And you want to make sure you understand and know that you could be eligible for a couple of things. Number one, you could be eligible for a spousal benefit, mm-hmm. which will increase your paycheck from Social Security up to about half of what your spouse's is. Right. So if you didn't work maybe as long as your husband has and that benefit, like Mary said, is lower, you're going to be able to bump it up to at least half of what your husband's is. So if yours is yeah. only 500 and his was 1000 or you know, 1500 it's going to bump you up to at least half of his. Now, if either one of you have taken your retirement benefits early, it's going to impact that number. But find out if you're eligible for that if you're getting less than half of your spouse's Social Security amount. The other thing for you to know is that if there is a loss of a spouse, the smaller check goes away and the bigger check stays. So that's just something that you can be planful of when you're thinking about kind of longevity in the long term. Right. Another thing is most people know that Social Security benefits can start at age 62. If you're a widow, because a spouse has passed away, you can actually access those benefits at age 60. Yep. And so that's a big thing. Sometimes people don't know that Mm -hmm. they can go do that that early. So you definitely want to be paying attention to that because, of course, you want to get as much benefit from the system that you've paid into as you can. Exactly. So those kind of go through some of the things that are important for women to understand in terms of their own financial situation. And we think that those are some of the key critical things that smart women need to know about money. Now, we also have a seminar coming up that's going to be on September 12th and 17th. And so all of you smart women listening, if you'd like to come get ready for retirement, this one is called Retirement Readiness, then reach out to us at Stirk Financial and register for that seminar. We'll get you the details on it. Um, But we'd love to see you there, and we'd love to help you plan for your own retirement. So thanks for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can ensure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC. Insurance offered through Sterk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated. Neither Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated nor its representatives provide tax or legal advice. 
you should consult a qualified attorney or tax professional to answer your specific questions. Stirk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dunes, South Dakota, 57049, and can be reached at 605-217-3555. Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisors list includes 10 recipients per state. The award is based on qualitative and quantitative data, rating thousands of wealth advisors with a minimum of seven years experience and weighing factors like revenue trends, assets under management, compliance records, industry experience, and best practices. The award is not based on portfolio performance or client reviews. There's no fee in exchange for rankings. Third-party rankings and recognitions are no guarantee of future investment success and do not ensure that a client or prospective client will experience a higher level of performance or results. These ratings should not be construed as an endorsement of the advisor by any client, nor are they representative of any one client's evaluation.